0: Every week, it's our goal to share financial information that helps you in both your life and financial vineyard. We hope it takes you from your roots to the journey of your vines and the influences in the air that help craft your delicious life. Like wine and finances have different palettes that should be celebrated and not judged. Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine and Carrie Bean, where we continue this month's theme of love, money, and emotion lots of emotion around money. And Carrie and I could probably talk for hours and hours and hours on this particular topic. We've done classes on the psychology of money, money and couples. Uh, she and I have had extremely physical, physis- what's that word? Physis- whatever, deep conversations <laughs> around money and how we grew up around money and how emotionally we are around money. So it's it's always great to, to talk about this topic with you, Carrie. I know... Uh, We're recording on a Friday, and I know you're doing some traveling. Any thoughts on the type of wine you might have tonight as you uh, settle in after a crazy, crazy week that
1: you've had? Actually, there's a bottle of a red blend. It's just, I think it says winemaker's blend, actually, sitting on my island in my house. So (laughs) when I get home this evening, after another ball game, I think I'll be having a glass of that. And I can't remember the brand. I was actually at Olive Garden recently and just bought the bottle instead of the glass. So <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Efficiency of scale there. Efficiency yes. of scale. Yeah. Yes. I actually have a,
0: a Mark West uh, Pinot Noir that I'm going to be drinking tonight. That's sitting out on the counter from me. So um, looking forward to having a, a glass of that. I always. If you listen to the podcast, whenever I'm recording on Friday, I'm like, it's been a week. I'm thinking, you know, people are going to think like it's always been a week with you, Amy. Uh, I think I just look forward to Friday so much. I, you know, yeah. And I really enjoy usually two glasses of wine on Friday. Like I have to admit, but.
1: Well, the 24 um, yeah. hour news feed and the constant financial information that comes out. It's a lot. So, yeah. yeah. Well, in the
0: past you know, couple of weeks and the month so far this year has been a bit on the hefty side of data, I guess you want to say. <laughs> so one of the things that I thought was would be really interesting for you and I to talk about, um, especially because we've been working with some clients that have had some really big financial goals that they've been planning for, whether it's to buy a house or to relocate or to pay for their kids education and you certainly are are experiencing that personally um but removing the emotion from those large financial decisions right it's it's tough i mean if your kid gets into a school that's a top their first choice there's a lot of emotion behind that and there's sometimes some some financial consequences and we're certainly not saying don't do it but the emotion is what's driving the decision, not the financial consequences necessarily. Um, but I, I thought it would be good for us to t- chat a little bit about that and f- to maybe come up with three different things that people can do that would help them sort of take a step back and make the decision with the financial hat on, knowing how it will also affect them emotionally. but you know just just be aware that there there needs to be a disconnect a little bit right on some mm-hmm. of that stuff yeah thinking about that and thinking about the clients that we've worked with what would be where would where would you start when a big financial decision is is being analyzed with a client of course i'm going to make a shameless plug here right If you have a big financial decision to make, we'd love to help you with that. (laughs) Shameless plug. Financial advisors don't have the emotion attached to the actual goal that you have. So we can look at it and analyze it purely from the economic perspective. You may or may not elect to follow us, but at least you know the consequences, right? So as a financial planner, when somebody comes to you and says, I'm thinking about doing this, what's the first step that you're actually going to sit down and talk to them about?
1: I think the first step should be obviously figuring out the true cost of it. So I think um, there's a lot. I'm in a phase of life where I do have a lot of big decisions going on and expensive decisions, maybe I should say, because my daughter recently, she's a freshman in college. So walking through that decision on where to go and how to pay for it was a really a big process for us. Um, especially because we've, we've taught our kids to dream big and when they're little, that's easy to say. And and I never wanted them to be intimidated by going to a bigger school. Um, but then when you get ready to actually make the decision and figure out how to pay for it, it's a different, it's easy to like forget. Oh, we were so emotional when we were doing all these college tours and this college was great and that college was great, but what is the actual true cost of it? So, figuring out, and, and a lot of the colleges do have that information on their websites, um, figuring out what it's actually going to cost to go, you know, tuition, books, fees, room and board, um, dining expenses, meal plans, things like that, um, figuring that out, and then walking through the process of applying and figuring out what scholarships you're going to get, and then you know, what scholarships you're not going to get, and then how do you pay for it, and figuring out, okay, is this a good idea? Um, Because I think a lot of people don't walk through that process, and they just take the student loans on, and then they walk out at the end with a big student loan payment, and it affects their lives for a really long time. So, taking the time to do the true cost evaluation and making that decision on can I actually afford this and what is my life and cash flow going to look like later. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, I think knowing, like you said, the word consequences, I think that's a really big piece of it. It's not that we, sometimes I think, you know, people will look at it and say, well, you're saying don't go there. And that's not what we're saying at all. Like it, we're not saying don't buy that house or we're not saying don't buy a second house or don't send your kid to that college. What we're saying is here's the facts. When we look at the the, the spreadsheet that we prepare in some situations and the bottom line is, you know, this is what it's going to do to your overall plan, or this is what, how it's going to affect your overall plan. We're not saying don't do it. We're saying be aware of how, you know, it's going to change your plan and then retool your plan from there. Right? So so let's say it's a buy a second ho- house. Okay. So I'm gonna I really want to buy a second house in an area, and maybe I'm gonna rent that out a little bit, maybe I'm not. It doesn't really matter. But how does that affect your plan? Because now you have an additional expense that was not part of your cash flow before. It's your dream. So we're of course not gonna say don't do it. What we're gonna say is this is how it affects your plan. It is what it is, it's gonna be incorporated. Here's maybe some areas that you would want to consider, um, uh, exchanging, I think is a good word. Like, you know, you were spending money this way. Now you want to spend money that way. So it's just knowing those consequences. Um, and then I think, you know, you have said in the past, I've heard you say, it's also taking a look at the big picture and saying, well, what other crazy things are going to be coming up? And I know recently you were talking to me about, um, cars in your household. Mm-hmm. You have- mm-hmm. You're going to have four drivers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your cars are paid board. for. So it's, yeah, it's it's awesome. Your cars are paid for. Like you don't have that debt that you're paying, but eventually you're going to have to start thinking about replacement vehicles.
1: Yes. So, um, the timing of it is not going to be well for us because my husband and I both are driving paid for vehicles, but the mileage on them and, and the wear and tear is really starting to get up there. And they're going to be okay for a little while, but the timing of it is going to be right probably as my son is leaving, graduating and and possibly leaving for college and he's going to need a better vehicle to drive too. So all of a sudden we're going to have three vehicles that need replaced. And so figuring out what can we do now while we don't want to replace our vehicles right now, but what is something we can do today to maybe... Um, lessen the burden of what's going to happen to us in a few years, just figuring out our cash flow and our strategy on that.
0: Even the type of vehicle, right? So the, the, again, here's another, um, vehicles can be a very emotionally driven financial decision. Um, I am all about the safety and visual, like the ability to see out of a vehicle. Um, So I, I have to have what I would call a girly SUV. I don't need a big SUV. I don't, you know, but I just need to have a little elevation so that I can see and I need to have really good ability to to have some some clearance, um, which does limit you know the options that I have available to me. But when I, I hate car shopping, by the way, I don't know about how you feel about it. Now You're very good at the analysis behind it. I've seen <laughs> that like I saw what you put together with Ray, Raylan and her decision in car buying options. But for me, I, I loathe getting the new car. I absolutely loathe it. So first I go into it emotionally, like, Ugh, you know, and I want to spend the least amount of money that I possibly can spend on this depreciating asset <laughs> that is a necessity in my life. Right. So I go into it with already this sort of negative connotation in my head of like, Ugh. um, but safety is really important. So I do want to have some safety features thrown into there. And when you look at the cost of those, you no, know, you're going to be spending at least $35,000 if you buy brand new. And right now, buying used is worse than buying brand new. But historically, we used to say buy like a vehicle that's just a couple years old. And for some people, that made absolute sense. But for other people, especially if you're thinking about like a money psychology of self-esteem. They want the newest vehicle, the newest bells and whistles, and they want it about every three years where I'm like forced into it about every 10 years.
1: Uh-huh. But that,
0: that's something that's, um, when you think about like your decision around buying a car, you, if your kids are going to be driving it, safety is probably going to be your number one priority right. and you're willing to pay for that, um, and then thinking about you and Alan, like, yes, it's still, it's also safety, but it's also, you have to have some clearance because of where you guys live and you've got, you know, you've got mm-hmm. some restrictions on some of that stuff too. And, and so, you know, what are some of the things that you can start to do now knowing that this perfect storm is going to be happening in two to three years?
1: Right. I think, um, you know, our first time, first Big point was true cost. Okay. Well, now we figured out true cost. The second thing that you really need to do is cash flow. How are you going to be able to fund these goals? And some of them are conflicting goals. And I feel like I'm in the biggest <laughs> phase of my life with some big conflicting goals right now. Um, just with the cars and the college and the, the kids and, and everything. So I think. Walking through, you know, once you have your true cost, sort of walking through your cash flow and and what can you afford, and it is really, and everyone's different, but monitoring your most emotions, um, it is very exciting to see your kid go to college, and, you know, potentially get them a vehicle and things like that. So it's it's really easy to get caught up in it and not think about your cash flow and your finances, but. That can have really long-term effects if you don't think about it. So monitoring mm-hmm. the cash flow and knowing how it's going to affect it. <laughs>
0: <coughs> yeah, and then I I also think sometimes I was joking earlier and I said a shameless plug, you know. But I also do think sometimes it's important to step off your own porch, as I say and go look at it from a different angle. So if, you know, if you're, you're, you're talking about the situation with your household and needing the three vehicles potentially, and starting to save for it from a flow perspective, if you take off the Carrie and Alan Bean hat and what's right in your household and you put on the financial planner or neighbor hat, I guess you want to say like standing on somebody else, st- standing and viewing it from another porch, what, what would it look like? Or what would you, um, what would be some of the things that you would emotionally say is different from that perspective? Like, you know, it, it's, it's what I call the parental advice. Like, what would your dad say to you? You know, like, I, I'm not saying <laughs> yeah. that he might say what, you know, but what, what would it, it's almost a, it's almost like you're judging yourself in a way, I guess is the way I'm trying to put it. Like it's so it's always so easy to stand back and say, Well, if that'd been me, I would have done that, 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 that. But when you yes. know, it's really easy to do that, right? It's it's so easy. But when it's your own decision, like Of course, you're not going to say that. But if you were to take a moment, like take a breath and sort of judge yourself from a perspective like that, I think that that's always very helpful because when you think how could I, if you think about the situation in the future and say, well, if that were my friend, I would suggest this. So it's not me it's not my decision, but if that were my friend, or if that's my, I, you know, I would say it with siblings, like if that were my brother, that were your brother, or that were your sister, like what would you, what would you sort of judge, you know, differently from that perspective? And I think that's very helpful sometimes. I mean, in your situation, you're looking at funding things now, you're, you're looking out three, two to three years from now and saying, we better start funding this right now because we have the perfect storm coming up. But, you know, that's, that was you guys recognizing it. Are there, you know, there might be other things that come up that I think it can, it can require just some different perspective. I guess that's what I'm getting at. Yeah.
1: I I think the one thing when it's, it's easier, and I think you said, you know, like from your neighbor's porch for, and I was actually just thinking about this yesterday and this morning, because I was thinking, well, there's probably some things in our in our budget or cash flow that we're paying for right now, that we could probably get rid of. And if I were looking at it from a perspective of someone else's cash flow, I'd be like, "Well, there. Why don't you cut this, this, and this?" Okay, well, that's really easy to say, but when you're on the receiving end of the the cutting, you're like, "Oh, but I really, w-, you know, I really want to keep doing that." You know, and and for us having teenagers, there's a few. I was thinking, you know, we we've got some different streaming services and things like that. I'm like, we probably have too many. We could get rid of a few of those. And Mm -hmm. and not that those are huge difference makers. But when you do a whole lot of little things and they start adding up and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, they just kind of creep up on you. That's probably how I would currently judge myself. Like I would say, okay, you know, let's cut these three to five things and you know, be surprised yeah. at what it will help your you cash. Know, if it adds worth. up to
0: a hundred bucks, it's a hundred bucks, you know, I mean, that's right, a that's hundred right. bucks a month. Yeah. Yeah. And you're very good. I mean, I know I've seen your beautiful spreadsheets. So for you it'd be able to go down through those spreadsheets and probably tick off some of those items that you would say, you know, save for a new car versus this. Um, I, I, I think uh, it's identifying where you're currently at. It sort of goes back to our whole like process of when we're working with clients. Right. And that, starting out with a financial audit on a particular topic and saying, well, this is where you're at right now. And this is where you want to be. Like, what are some of the things that small changes that we need to make? And I do strongly believe that small changes are so much more palatable than like massive, massive changes. We just, in January on the podcast, we talked about like new year's resolutions and checking in on new year's resolutions and how new year's resolutions can be successful. And it's when, small changes happen over long periods of time that you can achieve some of the goals that you set. So I think that's, your point is extremely valid. Anything that you would recommend to the listeners, um, anything specific that you would um, recommend to the listeners that would be like one or two steps that would help them sort of take that step back
1: when it comes to emotional decisions? I think recognizing your emotions when you're in the moment before you make the decision, you know, recognize this is an emotional decision and a financial decision. So just thinking through, okay, how do I remove my emotions and analyze the financial piece of it? Because some of those emotions in the beginning of a decision are joy. Oh, this is fun. Oh, this is great feeling. But sometimes the emotion you have after the decision can be a, a bad emotion because it's affected your cash flow in a way that's causing stress. So just recognizing like this is a big decision and a piece of it is emotional and how do I how do I analyze and make the right decision in recognizing the emotion. So recogni- recognize the
0: emotion first, then recognize the financial consequence second, and then look at the two together.
1: And then maybe walk through those steps, the true cost, the cash flow, you know, is this a, is this a situation where I should pull in a resource like a financial planner? So, yeah.
0: Well, Carrie, those are great tips. Um, You know, I think that if people take a few moments to sort of think that through, you know, recognizing the emotion separate from recognizing the financial and then taking a step back and saying, okay, what's the true cost? What's the cash flow? How would this be financed? And then do I, am I too emotionally connected that I still can't make that decision? Do I need to bring in the, you know, a, a professional um, to, to help me, to help guide me through this process? I, um, I think those are great tips. And, you know, I, I always say at the end of every podcast, like we hope that the listeners get a lot out of us having these jam sessions and to share it with friends, like on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, Instagram, all that sort of stuff. But I now I'm also saying, you know, we have that section in our newsletter that's asking for a friend. And when you when you listen to these podcasts, we would love it if if a question comes up in your head around this particular topic or any topic that is like, you know, I have a big decision. Like, what would you suggest? And we will include those questions in our newsletter. We will not disclose names or anything like that it will be a general question. So we'd love to hear if you have any specific questions around this topic, or again, any topic around money and finance, because we do feel like this is important to educate folks around these topics. And sometimes people, that's why we call it, you know, we did the play on asking for a friend because some people, sometimes people feel like they should know about money and like we were born to know about money and we weren't. And there's no shame in asking questions around any of this stuff. And You know, if you listen to us talk sometimes in team meetings and with each other. We as financial planners have the same exact emotional connection between money and spending and um, security or insecurity that you as listeners have. And so we're not, we're not going to judge anything around this particular topic, but that's why, that's why we sometimes come to each other to talk about these topics because we know that we're too emotionally connected to something and want to make sure that we're being rational at the same time around, around the decisions and that there isn't unthought of consequences. Not that you would intentionally do that, but sometimes we can just see those sort of moving targets from a different angle from the 500 foot view versus the two inch view. Well, we appreciate you all listening. As I mentioned, please feel free to share this podcast and um, with your friends on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, all those sources. Feel free to reach out to Gary or I. Our uh, contact information is going to be in the show notes. We hope you enjoy the series that we've been running this month in February around love and belonging and loving money and love and emotion and all of that sort of stuff. And uh, if you do have questions, feel free to send it out to a friend. And we will happy, happily provide your, your question to our other readers. We hope you all enjoyed this podcast.
1: And that will about do it for today's episode
0: of Wine and Dine. You can contact Amy through the website